All right, so good morning, everyone, all of you who are listening in online by radio, telephone, or internet. Most of our congregation, Dr. Josh, is uh, not present in the temple room, as you might have guessed. Everybody's getting ready to go to work or getting kids ready to go to school or just uh, doing their morning sadhana. So we really appreciate it when any uh, anyone, when everyone can take a little time from your busy morning schedule and join us for a little philosophical discourse on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Except this morning, we will not be reading directly from Bhagavatam. We'll be reading indirectly from Bhagavatam. Uh, Mr. Bhagavan, we don't, we don't need this board up here this morning. You, you can take that one down if you'd like to, but there's no need to put another board up. When I say indirectly, I'm saying that we're going to be reading Srila Prabhupada's condensation of the tenth canto, a part of that. And for those of you who have your Krishna books handy, those of you who are at home and have your Krishna books handy, uh, this is in the, we'll be reading from the second volume of Krishna book, and it's the chapter entitled Deliverance of Lord Shiva, and it's chapter number 33 in the Krishna book, in the big, the big books. I know there may be some other issues of, of Krishna book. But we're going to begin on page 308 in this chapter entitled Deliverance of Lord Shiva. And I have a special reason for doing that, which I'll disclose in just a moment. My name is Rupanugadas. I'm a disciple of His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. And so I'm, I welcome everyone to be with us here. Uh, if not in person, then uh, through one of the media that we have available. And for those of you who are, are, re, are listening to the archived version of this class, which will come out sometime around 10 o'clock this evening, it usually does, Prema Sindhu Prabhu is our man for putting the occasions in the temple room onto the internet. So if you go to radhakalachanji.com, um, you will find... Uh, uh, an archive. There's a way to go through the menu to find the archive version. This is. Oh yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu has brought to my attention again today that uh, today is Vashanta Panchami, uh, and there are a number of of, of different occasions uh, for this. It, it's the considered to be the first day of spring in India. And let's see, on the fifth day of the waxing moon, one should celebrate the coming of spring to Vrindavan by offering Krishna many types of leaves and flowers and fresh shoots of sprouting grasses, things that symbolize life and new growth. And I think I have read in one place that it it is also, well, it's on on this little handout that uh, has been given to me. That uh, Saraswati, uh, the goddess Saraswati, is also worshipped today. Goddess of knowledge, music, art, wisdom, and nature. It's the appearance day of Srimati Vishnu Priya Devi. Vishnu Priya is the internal potency known as Bhu Shakti. She appeared in Goralila to assist Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his mission of spreading the holy name of Krishna. So there are a number of reasons. I also think I have read that uh, uh, this is the day that Lord Ramchandra was married to uh, Sita, Mother Sita Devi. Can anybody verify that? Mother Kunkamangi, do you happen to know? Okay. So, But anyhow, it's a, an auspicious day to do anything. And one of the most auspicious things we can do is to chant the holy names of the Lord. And another one is to take part in reading or discussing the Srimad Bhagavatam. So uh, hopefully everybody has done some of both. Or we'll, we'll be working on the second part. Maybe you have chanted Japa today. And, uh, and now we're going to be talking about reading from Krishna book, which as I said is Prabhupada's condensation of the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam.
Before we do that, we will invoke the presence and blessings of the Supreme Lord. So if you will, chant with me, please. Jai Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradhari Jai Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradhari Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tiramanachari Jamuna Tira Vannachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jai Radha Madhava divine grace swami Jayom Vishnupad Padamahamsa Padibhajaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimadhu's Divine Grace Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Iskan BBT Founder Charge Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Shri Rup Shri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki Namacharja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Premzeko Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Rvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gura Bhakta Rinda Ki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakund Giri Govardhan Ki Shri Vrindavandam Ki Shri Mathura Dhamaki, Shri Mayapunabhaduit Dhamaki, Shri Jagannath Puri Dhamaki, Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Dhamaki, Ganga Deviki, Dhamunamayaki, Tulsi Deviki, Bhakti Deviki, Samaveda Bhakta Vrindaki, Brihat Badanga, Transcendental Bukit Prasharam Distribution Ki, Nittai Gaura Premananda, Hari Hari Bol, all glories to the Asama devotees. All glories to the Asama devotees. All glories to the Asama devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnavadaya Krishna Vastaya Bhutale, Shemati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Tinamane, Namaste Sarasvati Devi, Godabadi Pachanine, Nivishesha Shindivari Pastakta Deshitanine. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam 
Devin Saraswatim Yasun Tatojayamudirayat Nasta Praeshva Badreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yutama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavari Naistiki Om Gyana Timidendasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chaksurun Militam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Savitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Maya Dadati Swaparantikam Bande Hum Sri Guru Sri Dutta Padakamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sakvajatam Sahagana Raghunathan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savdvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam Cha He Krishna Karanasando Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Taptakanchana Gurangi Radhe Vrindavadeshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpata Rupascha Kripasindu Vyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namonama Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha Sri Vasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Pristaya Bhutale, Srimate Tamal Krishna Gosamaditi Namane. Once again, for those of you who might have just joined us, we're going to be reading today from Krishna book, Srila Prabhupada's condensation of the 10th canto, the Srimad Bhagavatam. This chapter that we're on is, I think, according to the one source, is chapter number 88. But if you're looking at the second volume of the Krishna book as it was published, uh, this is chapter number 33. So we'll be we'll be beginning on page three oh eight. What what we're what we're reading about right now is um, a question that was asked by King Yudhishthir. Um, right after the Swayamvara ceremony, not the Swayamvara, the um, um, Ash- Ashwamedha sacrifice was performed. And in the big arena, there is not only the demigods present, along with many kings from all over the world, but also Krishna and Balaram are also present. So Yudhisthira Maharaj who is the elder brother of the five Pandava boys, um, he has he has acceded to the throne of his that was vacated by his father Pandu, um, who died an untimely death back when the Pandava boys were quite young. And so they were raised by one of their two mothers, uh, Queen Kunti. And and so um, now we've come to the point that King Yudhisthira is now recognized as the uh, head of the dynasty. Um, of course, there's there are probably some others elders who are also present who are senior to him in years, but he has actually uh, been he has moved into his position as emperor of the world. And so there's a conversation now going on between Shukadeva Goswami and Parikshit Maharaj. And Parikshit Maharaj is, um, is a, like a grandson to Yudhisthira Maharaj. 
Yudhisthira Maharaj uh, was the brother of of, of um, Arjuna, and Arjuna had a son named Abhimanyu who was killed in battle. But one of uh, Arjuna's wives uh, was pregnant with a child at that time, and an attempt was made on his life. I think it was Ashvatthama, who was the son of Dronacharya. Um, he tried to kill this baby. But Krishna came within the body of the mother and protected the baby. And within her body, he protected the baby from being killed by a weapon that was thrown. That It was like an atomic weapon, but it, was, it could be pinpointed. It could kill a child within the womb of its mother without harming the mother. And so Krishna protected this child. And he, he became... Then, in due time, he became the emperor of the world in the line from his, his grandfather, Arjuna, and his, uh, his also the, his great-uncles. Uh, great-uncles, yeah, that's what they would be considered. Uh, Yudhisthira, Bhimasane, Nakula, and Sahadev. And so, the, the question, Parichit Maharaj has been cursed by a young Brahmin boy to die within seven days because of some offense that was made to this young Brahmin boy's father by the king. And so he, the king could have counteracted the curse, but he chose not to. He chose to accept it as the will of the Supreme Lord. So he went to sit down at the bank of the river, either the Ganges or the Jamuna. I think it was Ganges. And, um, and he was surrounded by many, many sages and saintly persons. And uh, there came a young boy who was the son of Srila Vedavyas, or Srila Vyasdev, who came to answer his questions during the final seven days of his stay on the planet. So, Shukadeva Goswami, and I'm beginning the reading now, in answering Parichit Maharaj's question uh, about why a person uh, who is a disciple of Lord Shiva uh, is apparently given all kinds of opulences, and yet one who is a devotee of Krishna is quite often impoverished. So, uh, this is a question that was asked by Parikshit Maharaj. Uh, he, uh, Sukadev went on to cite a historical instance in which Regarding Parikshit Maharaj's grandfather, King Yudhisthira, he calls him his grandfather here, but he's actually a great uncle. He said that after finishing the ashramata sacrifice in the great sacrificial arena, King Yudhisthira, in the presence of great authorities, inquired on that very same point. How is it that the devotees of Lord Shiva become materially opulent, whereas the devotees of Lord Vishnu, or Krishna, do not? Shukadeva Goswami specifically referred to King Yudhisthira as your grandfather so that Maharaj Parijit would be encouraged to think that he was related to Krishna and that his grandfathers were intimately connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in a sense, he was directly related to Krishna because his father, Arjuna, was the cousin of Krishna as Krishna was appearing on this planet at that time. Although Krishna is very always very satisfied by nature, when this question was asked by Maharaj Yudhisthira, he became even more satisfied, Krishna became even more satisfied, because these questions and their answers would bear a great meaning for the entire Krishna conscious society. And by the way, this reading that I'm going to be doing here is, is, is going, on, going on for a couple of pages. So I'm going to ask you please to be patient with me. I don't usually like to read uh, material for a class, but there's some really great points made in this reading today, and I'm going to be bringing those out. Uh, and I should say, this is this is a glorious occasion. Not only is it Vashanta Panchami, but it, it is also, we have just received news yesterday about uh, all charges being dropped against our one of the one of the most recognized members of our community, a very saintly person, Maturanath Prabhu, and he was under some uh, he was under the uh, he was um, 
had some legal matters to deal with which were causing him quite a bit of distress and because they caused him distress they caused everybody else in the community distress and we we found out yesterday from Maternot Prabhu's lawyer that the grand jury has dropped all charges against him and so we're very happy about that and uh, but the question has been raised why is it that he had to go through this in the first place and we know that a devotee of Krishna is sometimes put into difficulty by the Supreme Lord for a number of reasons. And we're going to be reading about those and talking about them a little bit today. And it comes, uh, our discussion comes from this, uh, this chapter called The Deliverance of Lord Shiva. So I'll, I'll read on here. Whenever Lord Krishna speaks about something to a specific devotee, it is meant not only for that devotee, but for the entire human society. Instructions by the Supreme Personality of Godhead are important, even to the demigods, headed by Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and others. And anyone who does not take advantage of the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who descends within this world for the benefit of all living entities, is certainly very Unfortunate. Lord Krishna answered the question of Maharaj Yudhisthira as follows. And this is a quote from Lord Krishna. If I especially favor a devotee and especially wish to care for him, the first thing I do is take away his riches. When the devotee, and this is Prabhupada speaking now, when the devotee becomes a penniless pauper, or is put into a comparatively poverty-stricken position. His relatives and family members no longer take interest in him, and in most cases they give up their connection with him. The devotee then becomes doubly unhappy. First of all, he becomes unhappy because his riches have been taken away by Krishna, and he's made even more unhappy when his relatives desert him because of his poverty-stricken position. We should note, however, that when a devotee falls into a miserable condition in this way, it is not due to past impious activities known as karma pala. Um, the poverty-stricken position of the devotee is a creation of the personality of Godhead. Have you heard this before? Have you ever heard this before? Similarly, when a devotee becomes materially opulent, that is also not due to his pious activities. Um, in either case, whether the devotee becomes poorer or richer, the arrangement is made by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This arrangement is especially made for, by Krishna for his devotee just to make him completely dependent upon him and to free him from all material obligations. He can then concentrate his energies, mind and body, everything, for the service of the Lord. And that is pure devotional service. In the Narada Pancharatra, it is therefore explained, Sarvapadi Vinirmuktam, which means being freed from all designations. Works performed for family, society, community, nation, or humanity are all designated as in this way. I belong to this society. I belong to this community. I belong to this nation. I belong to this species of life. Such identities are merely designations. When by the grace of the Lord a devotee becomes freed from all such designation, his devotional service is actually nice karma. Ghanis are very much attracted by the position of nice karma, in which one's actions are no longer uh, one's actions no longer have material effect. When the devotee's actions are freed from such effects, they are no longer in the category of karma palam, or fruitive activities. As explained before by the personified Vedas, the unhappiness and distress of a devotee are produced by the personality of Godhead for the devotee. 
And the devotee, therefore, does not care whether he is in happiness or in distress. That's a pretty advanced position, isn't it? He goes on with his duties in executing devotional service. Although his behavior seems to be subject to the action and reaction of fruitive activities, he is actually freed from the results of action. Means the devotee has no karma. That's, 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 we wonder, well then why am I having to suffer? So anyhow, I think we'll, we'll hear about this. It may be questioned why a devotee is put into such tribulation by the personality of Godhead. And this is a question raised regarding Maternat Prabhu by me. I raise that question. Why would Krishna do this to such a saintly person as he? The answer is that this kind of arrangement by the Lord is just like a father sometimes becoming unkind to his sons. Because the devotee is a surrendered soul and is taken charge of by the Supreme Lord, whenever the Lord puts him into any condition of life, either in distress or happiness, it is to be understood that behind this arrangement there is a large plan designed by this personality of Godhead. For example, Lord Krishna put the Pandavas into a distressed condition so acute that even Grandfather Bhishma could not comprehend how such distress could occur. He lamented that although the whole Pandava family was headed by King Yudhisthira, the most pious king, and protected by the two great warriors, Bhima and Arjuna, and although above all the Pandavas were all intimate friends and relatives of Lord Krishna, they still had to undergo such tribulations. Later on, however, it was proved that this was planned by the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna as part of his great mission to annihilate the miscreants and to protect the devotees. Another question may be raised. Since a devotee is put into different kinds of happy and distressful conditions by the arrangement of the personality of Godhead, and a common man is put into such conditions as a result of his past deeds, then what is the difference? How is the devotee any better than an ordinary karmi? The answer is that the karmis and the devotees are not on the same level. In whatever condition of life the karmi may be, he sometimes, well, no, he continues in the cycle of birth and death because the seed, because the seed of karma or fruitive activity is there. And it fructifies wherever, whenever there's the opportunity. By the law of karma, a common man is perpetually entangled in repeated birth and death. Whereas a devotee's distress and happiness, not being under the laws of karma, are part of a temporary arrangement by the Supreme Lord, which does not entangle the devotee. Such an arrangement is made by the Lord only to serve a temporary purpose. If a karmi performs auspicious acts, he is elevated to the heavenly planets, and if he acts impiously, he is put into a hellish condition of life. But whether a devotee acts in a so-called pious or in an impious manner, he is neither elevated nor degraded, but is transferred to the spiritual kingdom. Therefore, a devotee's happiness and distress and a karmi's happiness and distress are not on the same level. This fact is corroborated by a speech by Yamaraj to his servants in connection with the liberation of a Jamil. Yamaraj advised his followers that persons who have never uttered the holy name of the Lord nor remembered his, the form, quality, and pastimes of the Lord should be approached by his watchguards. Those persons should be approached by the watchguards of Yamaraj, by the Yamadutas they're called. Yamaraj also advised his servants never to approach the devotees. On the contrary, he instructed his messengers that if they, if they meet a devotee, they should offer their respectful obeisances. So there is no question of a devotee's being promoted or degraded within this material world. 
as there is a gulf of difference between the punishment awarded by the mother and the punishment awarded by an enemy. So a devotee's distressed condition is not the same as the distressed condition of a common karmic. Here another question may be raised. You notice that uh, the questions are being raised even before they come to our minds. They're being raised by the writer. If God is all-powerful, why should he try to reform his devotee by putting him in distress? The answer is that when the Supreme Personality of Godhead puts his devotee into a condition of distress, it is not without purpose. Sometimes the purpose is that in distress, a devotee's feelings of attachment for Krishna are magnified. For example, when Krishna, before leaving the capital of the Pandavas for his home, was asking permission to leave, Kunti Devi said, My dear Krishna, in our distressed condition, you are always present with us. Now, because we have been elevated to a royal position, you are leaving us. I would therefore prefer to live in distress than to lose you. When a devotee is put into a situation of distress, his devotional activities are accelerated. Therefore, to show special favor to a devotee, the Lord sometimes puts him into distress. Besides that, it is stated that the sweetness of happiness is sweeter to those who have tasted bitterness. The Supreme Lord descends to this material world just to protect his devotees from distress. In other words, if devotees were not in a distressed condition, the Lord would not have come down. As for his killing the demons or the miscreants, this can be easily done by his various energies, such as many asuras are killed by his external energy, goddess Durga. Therefore, the Lord does not need to come down personally to kill such demons. But when his devotee is in distress... He must come. Lord Nrsinghadev appeared not to kill Hiranyakashipu, but to see Prahlad and to give him blessings. In other words, because Prahlad Maharaj was put into very great distress, the Lord appeared. When after the dense dark night, there is finally sunrise in the morning, it is very pleasant. When there is scorching heat, cold water is very pleasant. And when there is freezing winter, hot water is very pleasant. Similarly, when a devotee, after experiencing the condition of the material world, relishes the spiritual happiness awarded by the Lord, his position becomes still more pleasant and enjoyable. And that's as far as I'm going to read now in Krishna book. Does anyone have any comments to make or any questions to ask? When a parent, Bhakti Josh is saying, whenever a parent punishes a child for something, the child wonders, why are you being so mean to me? And But what else? All right, that's a good that's a good summation of what we have read, uh, Josh. That whenever, whenever a devotee has to suffer, Krishna then has some plan, and sometimes that plan is uh, not not to correct the bad behavior of the devotee, but sometimes it's it's to allow the the devotee to be glorified. And we have that, we, we see that in the case of, of this person we're talking about, Maturna Prabhu, that uh, the Lord has put him into a very, very difficult position. It's, it's one that we, you know, that would cause anybody to have great difficulty just dealing with it. And yet, uh, when that happened, the whole community the whole Radha Kalachanji community, anybody who heard about the instance uh, was, uh, was uh, uh, supporting. They were, they were behind 
this man, Maternat Babu, because they knew him to be a saintly person. And it was bewildering that Krishna would have allowed him to be in, in that kind of situation that uh, it seemed like there was, there was no solution. It seemed like they, that he was going to have to suffer for some time. And, and yet, uh, and, and everybody was, everybody was just feeling so dejected, uh, to think that this man might have to suffer pitiably. Uh, and, and his wife as well. You can only imagine, uh, Mother Leela's position, uh, so difficult. So difficult to see a person that she really cared about and had lived with for many years. You know, have to go through this this suffering like this, but uh, we we see that Krishna allowed him to be glorified by his devotees, by Krishna's devotees, and we also see that uh, uh, Krishna already knew what the what the end was going to be, and in my conversations with both Maternat and Mother Leela, uh, I tried to give them encouragement and tell them that. You know, I think something really good is going to come out of this. I think Krishna Krishna would not allow his devotee who has served him so faithfully for 40 some odd years now. He would not allow that person just to just to you know be vanquished from society. And 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 I think I think they both understood that anyhow, but it, you know sometimes when we're not the one that's having to do the suffering, then we have to sympathize and empathize with those who are going through that suffering. And so um, just yesterday, then uh, his lawyer uh, got in touch and, and let him know uh, that it was a, it, that the grand jury had considered a no bill. And that no bill means all charges dropped. So, for some reason, you know, Krishna permitted this to happen. Another, uh, another positive benefit that came to the whole community uh, was that uh, people began uh, chipping in financially. And so, uh, they were able to take money, which is very dear to all of us. You know, money is hard to come by, usually, for many people. And and so uh, many of us began making whatever donations we could to help pay for the legal fees, which were said to it was expected they would come something like forty thousand dollars, unless uh, that went to his, his situation went to a jury, went to trial, and then it could last for weeks, months, who knows how long, and it would be more expensive than that. So. Uh, it gave gave us the rest of us the opportunity to use some of our own financial means uh, to help him uh, get through this situation. So it was a benefit. It was a benefit to the whole community. So not, not only did did Maternot and Mother Leela benefit in some way uh, by having to undergo this trial. It's like a trial by fire, you know. Uh, and they say the hotter the fire, the purer the gold. Krishna not only helps the devotee, but he helps... Use the microphone. Krishna not only helps the devotee, but he also helps the community or people in general. And it reminds me of like when he helped Arjuna was in distress and he was helping Arjuna, but actually he was helping everybody. So it's like two-sided. You're you mean helping. when he spoke Bhagavad Gita? When he spoke Gita. Bhagavad Gita, yeah, that he's helping Arjuna, but he's helping everybody. So in your example, he helps the devotee, but he helps the community as well, and that's the transcendental nature of Krishna, that he could help one thing, but it's actually helping everything, helping the world. Very good point. Very appropriate point. It appeared that there, that Krishna had, had come to annihilate the miscreants. And he, and he makes that statement in Bhagavad Gita, you know, that he comes from time to time to protect the devotees and annihilate the miscreants. 
But as is, was stated in this passage that we read today, Krishna doesn't have to come to annihilate the screens. He, he can, you know, he can just, he can use a virus and wipe out thousands of people. He can use a tsunami and wipe out hundreds of thousands of people within a matter of minutes. He can use a volcano. He can add so much, so many different elements of this material energy of Krishna. He can use when he, when he wants to eliminate some of the burden on the earth. The people who are, are causing distress not only to other human beings and other animals and plants. As is, we see that happening a lot nowadays because of the, um, the industrialization of our society. That everything is being negatively affected by simply by the desire to earn wealth, to gain money, by making products that uh, people in the society would desire. Um, and so because of that, then it, it appears that, um, um, it appears that, uh, Krishna will have to, you know, he, and, and we already see, we see things happening in, in nature. Um, because of, of the effects of the industrialization, the misusing of Earth's resources, and also uh, the uh, putting other persons, other people, into difficulty. I'm thinking about the people in the country Syria, how much they've had to suffer because there have been uh, forces outside their country who have wanted to come in and and gain control because of something, you know, whether it be oil or whether it be minerals like natural resources. Um, nowadays, uh, lithium is one of those metals that is being used so much to make batteries, storage facilities for energy, energy storage devices. And and so uh, there, it's being used in very large amounts. It's replaced lead acid batteries uh, in many cases or some kind of carbon batteries like the ones we used to use in flashlights. Now there are lithium-ion batteries that, you know, are rechargeable. But they have to come, you know, the material has to come from somewhere. And so the industrialists and those capitalists, uh, they're interested in, in simply gaining a profit. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what, what, the, what method is used to do that. And similarly, uh, there, there are other personalities who just misuse uh, other people a lot just so that they can make a profit. So anyhow, we see that Krishna is permitting all of this to happen. Not only is he permitting it, but he's orchestrating it even. He says, all right, you have a desire to use your, the resources that I put on this earth for you. You have the desire to use them just to make money, to ingratiate yourself and your family members. All right, I'll give you the means to do that. But then there's a price to pay. And any, any act that, you know, gives us more material enjoyment is, is likely to have some concomitant reactions that go with it and that's what we call karma so for a person who is not a devotee of the lord there's always the accumulation of karmic results karmic reactions and and then those uh those are, are but as we read today for the devotee of the lord there's no karma krishna personally takes over uh he says all right maya devi out of the way. Don't mess with this one. This is one of mine. And, you know, just like Yamaraj, uh, he said, with, you know, when the Yamadudas came to take uh, Ajamil away and punish him because he'd been such a sinful person, the, Yamad- the Vishnadudas came and stopped the Yamadudas from taking him. He said, no, you can't take him. Because at his, on his last breath, he, he uttered the name Narayan. He was actually calling for his son, but there's so much power in the names of God that uh, simply by speaking the names of God, one becomes completely purified. He said, simply by calling out the name of Narayan, he became sinless, and so therefore he's not liable to punishment. 
And this is how kind Krishna is, that a person can make just a little bit of effort to serve him, to do something, even if he doesn't inadvertently, he, even though it's without knowledge. Um, what What is the term for that? Gan, um, something that's done without knowledge. What is that? Agana something. What is that? Can you think of that term? Uh, uh, Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu? Anyhow, uh, the huh? Yeah, in other words, person that does something without knowledge and it's devotional. And, and I, what's that called? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure there must be about fifty people out there listening in who, who are trying to tell me what is Rupanuga. It is this, <laughs> and I just can't hear you. Anyhow, uh, so even if a person does something without knowledge of it, um, it then uh, he, he gets gets effect. He gets positive effect. And so Srila Prabhupada is also used the example of uh, even if you don't have faith in the medicine that a doctor prescribes for you, if you just take it, just go ahead and take the medicine, your your body will have it will will have a positive effect. In some cases, some cases, of course, any medicines might might cause a negative effect. But if you if you take the good medicine that is prescribed by a knowledgeable doctor, then even if you don't have any faith in the medicine, still the medicine will act. And so that's that that's how it is said. But even a person who, who jokingly says Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, makes fun of the devotees chanting on the streets, even. And and uh, you know, sometimes when we've gone out in the past on Hari Nam Sankirtan, there would there would be persons who would be making fun of the devotees and there'd be some fool out there dancing around like a wild crazy person. Even those persons are getting some benefit because they're participating in the Sankirtan activities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Even without knowledge. Anything else come to mind? Anybody? Naveen Devi? Anyhow, uh, if, if you have you have other questions, or, there are a lot of people, Dr. Josh, around the community here who can talk with you, and I, I think you're an intelligent fellow. You already know a lot of answers to the questions that are raised by devotees. How long have you been in touch with devotees now? Uh, 21 years. No. Yeah. 21 years. Actually, when I first got a book, I was 14. I'm almost 40, so maybe 24 years. Wow, you look like you're about 14. No. <laughs> Anyhow, you, you, you're doing something right, because you certainly look more youthful than 40. But uh, for 21 years, then, you've yeah, heard... You heard Gita when I was 18, and the Prabhupada disciple gave me the Bhagavad Gita. And first, second day of school in college, and I brought it home and read it and everything, and that was it. Hmm. That's wonderful. <laughs> Achoo to go then, did you, would you have something to say? <laughs> uh, so today, I, let me mention this also. Uh, some, some people have left the temple room, but I want to mention that today is the anniversary of the sannyas uh, ceremony for my spiritual master, Taval Krishna Goswami. So uh, the, his disciples are remembering him at this time and remembering how the world changed for them whenever they came into contact with Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. And so we we very much appreciate the fact that he took on this terrible austerity of sannyas and 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 even as a young man and uh, and decided that he would give his life to helping the children of other people rather than producing children of his own. And so for many years, uh, when he uh, we was with us until the year 2002 when he departed, uh, he was, he was uh, working within this community. 
and showing so much affection and care for the people in this community. And so I would wish the known for everyone who is listening in today that if you don't already have a spiritual master of your own, that you're as fortunate as the disciples of His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj were. And so we glorify him on this day for uh, maintaining his vow of sannyas throughout the rest of his life and never giving cause to his disciples to think that he had had some kind of fall down. So this is a remarkable thing. And he's not the only one. He's got God brothers and probably a few God uh, nephews uh, now that have taken sannyas. And and there are many disciples of Srila Prabhupada who have taken sannyas and have maintained their sannyas vows throughout their entire lives. And we offer our respects to those persons as being great souls because we as householders know how difficult it is to make it through this lifetime without the association of, a, of the opposite sex. So for a person who's been able to do that, they have to be empowered by the Supreme Lord to overcome his material energy. So I think we will stop now and uh, we will say all glories to Srila Prabhupada, all glories to Srimad Bhagavatam. And the, we offer our respectful obeisances and to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who are just like desire trees, who fulfilled the desires of everyone and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Banchakalpa Tarubhischa Kripasanabhivacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavebhyo Nabonama Anantakoti Vaishnavrindhikijai Shishi Vatha Kalachandidam Kijai Gaura Premananda Haribhavo